0: the one thing we saw really widespread was the one thing that I think that helped us grow the most was realizing that we have to talk to these customers how they want to talk to us. Great experiences build great leaders. Great leaders build great teams. This is building great sales teams.
1: All right, guys, welcome back to Building Great Sales Teams. We've got an explosive one for you guys today. I've got Steve Shabaker here in at the podcast. He's the CMO at Sheepdog Firearms, CEO of Valhalla Research, and Huota or Huata at the Tactical Entrepreneur Podcast. My friend Steve here has scaled multiple businesses from zero to eight figures in sales and uh he just celebrated uh it back in January his 20 year wedding anniversary so congrats on that brother uh thank you very much man it was actually uh 25th 25 oh okay i i have, was looking it up on facebook and i guess facebook's wrong <laughs> well, yeah awesome, facebook's man.
0: probably the 5th the 5th anniversary of
1: the 20th anniversary or you know how they do it i got you <laughs> i got you brother no that's awesome man so the first and obvious question i feel like is what is is uh, I can't even say it, Juada? What is that?
0: I don't know where that came from, bro. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> that must have that must have been Siri when I was filling out your form or something, because uh it it sure wasn't me. If you okay. figure it out, tell tell me so I know it's out of kind of cool. I'm like, where's he it going did. with this?
1: <laughs> it did, and then I looked it up and it was it was like a a, a native or a, a old English word for thief. I was like, what does he mean by that? <laughs> Oh, that's hilarious. I guess, yeah, Siri got it wrong on that one for sure. All right, brother. Well, one of the things I love about you is your tagline on social media, fact and nonverba. Can you kind of walk us through what that means and and why you chose that to live by?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So so I started using that fact and nonverba in a, in a nutshell means, you know, actions, not words. You know, in this in this day and age, we hear so many people about talk this game, do this, do this, do this, do this. And so many of them haven't even done it. They haven't walked it out, but they have no problems talk about it. So I love to say to people, well, you know what? Don't tell me about it. Show me about it. Show me what you're about. I'm going to learn way more from watching you than I will the words coming out of your mouth, sadly, you know?
1: No, I couldn't agree more. And, and being in the space that you and I are in, where uh, it's an, an intentional part of our business to build our social media you know, and then we're in the, all these masterminds and there's different levels to them and everything. So we see we see a lot of that. Right. And there will be a trend, you know, whether it be core values or whether it be uh, VAs or whatever the case is. And then all of a sudden it becomes everybody's answer for everything. And a lot of people haven't even executed on these things, you know, and so it is it's 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 hard for me to see that out of out of people sometime. And it's like, well, tell me the story behind why you're convicted on that. You know what I mean? Because usually that comes in—that comes with the work that you did. It, yeah, you know it—it it is. It, it for me, it's just like I think it just actually
0: stemmed from a just a frustration in general of fake people. You know, uh, mm-hmm. these days with this social media influencer thing and everybody, you know, being out there, I just just one day I'm like, you know what? I'm just so sick of just even hearing about this. You know, yeah. let's what, what I just love the people that just just post about. Things that are going on, you know, a lot like your stuff, man. You know, kind of walking through your journey with you. So mm. much respect for that compared to, you know, woo, woo I did this, woo, woo, I did that. Well, did you, you know, or is that just a picture? <laughs> you know, I mean, realistically, yeah. it's like, well, did yeah. you, you know, or did somebody do it for you, or are you just, you know, so like for me, I think it just I started using just just more as like a a frustration, even just to remind myself some, to to keep myself in check for saying, hey, you know what. Yeah you know you if you're talking about it you better have already walked it and and not vice versa you know uh, i know we're in the generation of you hear so many people say the old fake it till you make it stuff well i don't know i'm kind of adverse to that i just i'm just Mm -hmm. i'm I'm more like just keep quiet until you figure it out then when you figure it out please share it with everybody but you know don't don't act like you got it all together when you don't in any aspect of your life you know whether it be People talking about their relationships, so no, that one nobody has it all together. But like, you know, you know. But but I mean, like I've not seen one people, yet. You know, I, I've seen some people that I've known actually, you know, be on the on Facebook talking about how great their wife are, and then as as uh, they're coming out of a hotel room from, with some other chick, you know, like really, yeah. really, you know, just just stuff like that in general. You see it in business, you see it in personal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for me, just adopting the fact of nonverbal was just just more of just a frustration and kind of like a battle cry for everybody to say you know what, let's stop talking about it. Let's start doing it. Let's show people some action.
1: I love that. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And one of the things I like that you said is, you know, you kind of, it's, it's also a reminder for yourself, right? And so I was at a Easter past weekend and we were at uh, my wife's family's little ranch that they have and they all come together every Easter to the ranch. And uh, one of the cousins asked me like, hey, how come you're always posting about integrity? And what I told them was, is like, that's more for me than it is for you or for anybody looking at that, because it's constant. If I'm posting about that, then I have to be accountable to that constantly. And it's just me holding myself accountable. A lot of times when I post on social media, it's me talking to myself.
0: Yeah, I I feel you there. I I do the same thing. just Sometimes we need the reminder as much as anybody else. And it's funny how You'll get kind of two different sections of people. One section will be like, "Yeah, I, I needed to hear that. Thank you." Well, yeah. sorry, it wasn't really for you, but if if, <laughs> yeah, if, you, if you if you if you got value from it, that's great too. But then on the other hand, you'll 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 get people will, that'll be just so ah, how can you even talk about that? It's you know that's not even true. That's not even, like, yeah. like you you just just you just don't know. It's like okay, well. Uh, you, a little, you're triggered much, I guess, you know, something, something poking (laughs) at you a little bit about something I said, and that's usually the case, you know, isn't it? You see sometimes when people get the most bent out of shape, you know, they're usually fighting with that particular thing. You know, when you, when you, when you, when you, when you, you, uh, make a post about lifting your sales team up and, and and gathering together, people that are getting the most mad about it are probably ones that haven't taken the time to do that. And they, and they Mm -hmm. know that. So that's why they're reacting to it.
1: Yeah. And you can take any statement or situation or whatever the case is and, and, and make a case for one way or the other, you know, that's why I love, you know, the documentation strategy with social media, you're just documenting your journey, what's happening with, with you in that particular moment. And there is a million variables going on. You know what I mean? So I don't think anybody ever has the end all be all answer, but it's more like, Hey, this is what I experienced. This is the you know, maybe the few variables I have going on. And if you can learn from it, great. If not, then, you know, keep scrolling like everybody else. You know what I mean? All oh, right, yeah, without, a, without a doubt. So when I first met you, I was like, okay, Steve's the gun guy. You know what I mean? He's the First Amendment guy. He's the uh, the gun shop owner. You know what I mean? And then as I started talking to you and getting to know you a little more, and then we had a few marketing conversations, I was like, no, Steve's the marketing guy. You know what I'm saying? Like this dude is a bit of a a marketing guru, I guess you could say. So when it comes to uh, marketing, where did those skills come from? You know, that's just what I've always
0: loved. It's been self-taught forever. Uh, You know, at times I did a great job at it. At times I did a lousy job at it and learned some lessons. But um, it's just been kind of been my passion uh, forever. Um, It's really interesting because now I really have had the view for many years that it doesn't matter what we're selling. We're all in the business of marketing. We're all in the business of, you know, getting getting uh, our wares or our services communicated across in a desirable way so that people want to do business with us. Um, you know, and then when you add in the uh, add in the sales aspect of it, um, it really cr- really creates the full circle and just and just talks about that whole relationship with the customer. So I, I really love the beginning of it myself, and just getting those customers interested in, in getting them to know our products and having those interactions and seeing things snowball and grow. Um, and then, and then I, I do like the sales side of it too. That's one of the parts that I loved about when we first started the first gun shop was just going in, going into the store and having those conversations and figuring that out. See the one thing that drew us to a lot of the industries that I've started companies in is they're all industries that are adverse to change. Um, I love disrupting things and creating a ruckus and, uh, um, the gun industry was one that really needed it. You know, you'd go into most gun shops and they're all the same. You know, you got a lot of glass cases and two grumpy guys behind the counter. And if you don't, <laughs> if, if it's true, if you don't that, speak their language, oh. you have about five minutes before they're going to gonna say something rude to you or just tell you to get out. And uh, there's so many new people coming into the, you know, into love for the Second Amendment. You know, whether it's like in Chicagoland, it's really by need to be able to defend yourself in some other areas. It's hunting or sporting or a combination of all those things um, or just being prepared for uh, in the event that we, we, we end up falling back to the days of George Washington and having tyrannical government. Whatever the case is, people mm-hmm. are all brought together by it and we're finding less and less it doesn't matter anymore political affiliations, it seems like the Second Amendment is something that people are definitely rallying behind. So I just loved being able to start those conversations with people and be different and try to figure out what we had to do uh, as a gun shop to do all the things that that none of the other ones were doing. Like uh, the the gun industry is crazy, especially at the shop level is, Mm -hmm. is so technology adverse. I mean, you can literally go in some gun shops today and there's not hardly a computer in the place. Maybe they have one for running backgrounds, but they still do the forms all on paper. You know, they don't have anything for special ordering. They're calling people up to see, Hey, you got this in stock, you know, where uh, they're not embracing any of the tech and customers are seeing this. And like, and and even like the one thing we saw really widespread was the one thing that I think that helped us grow the most was realizing that we have to talk to these customers how they want to talk to us. You know, you'll Mm -hmm. have some old school that wants to pick up the phone and call you. Fine. You got to answer the phone have some people want to email you, but more and more, we, we, we found that when we embraced uh, talking to people through messenger and through text, you know, which is how they wanted to communicate. One, they were shocked that we did it. And, Mm -hmm. and two uh, that just made them customers for life. Like you understand us, you get us. And really all it was is just kind of common sense of, okay, well, you want to talk to me through messenger. And then Mm -hmm. I answered you. And then, and then you spent like the next fifteen minutes thanking me, and couldn't believe that I actually answered. Well, after the first few people did that, then I caught on. I'm like, oh, okay, this is just something no one's else no one else is doing. So, listening to the customer and really just letting them pick what they want, and then finding the the gap in between, you know, what's going on with these other companies in the industry, and how can I do things better and different. So that's really what brought, draws me to the whole marketing side of it. Is just you know to do that is one thing. But to communicate that you're doing that and to draw new people in is is entirely another. So I love bringing the two sides together.
1: I think that rolls right into my next question, which is, you know, what are a lot of business owners doing wrong right now when it comes to their marketing? And it sounds like when you talk about the beginning of the customer journey on the front end, it's not properly qualifying that customer or giving them those options, like you just said, of different forms of communication, whether it be email, phone, Uh, social media, text, whatever the case is. And when you establish that, that early on, I think that's huge because I I do a training on uh, buying the way or selling the way customers want to buy. And it's one of my favorite trainings to do and people love it. And it's because in the initial part of the conversation, you are immediately customizing your intro and your qualified to that customer. You know what I'm saying? Based on their tonality, their mannerisms, their stature, um, uh, and and their handshake. So if it's in person or if it's over Zoom or if it's over the phone, it doesn't really matter. You can identify a few, a, a few key things that, that determine how you should talk to that person. You know what I'm saying? And so I think uh, communication is so important. And then by starting it the right way on the front end of the customer journey, that makes the sales piece so much easier because they're already sold by you you know what i mean they're sold they're sold about you i should say about your company like the, oh this is a company i want to work with and if it's ten dollars more if it's 20 bucks more it doesn't really matter because i like this experience that i'm having and i think that's that's massive on the front end what are some other things that you see businesses doing right now in terms of lead gen that they're either missing the boat or they need to be doing more of
0: well, I, I think the, the one thing that people are really missing the boat on um, is just, the first of all, just not being different. You know, We we'll see so many new entrepreneurs just saying, well, all right, well, there's, there's this, this place and this place that does exactly what I wanna do. I'm gonna open up a store and do the, or, and do the exact same thing. Well, at that point, you're just a commodity. Then the only thing you have left to really to compete on is price. And then, and then it's just gonna be a race to the bottom and see who wants to go out of business first. I think the first thing that people really need to do in that aspect is take a look at the, the marketplace in general and look at the unserved needs of the customer. You know, listen to the customer. You know, okay, what do they need? Is it, okay, you want to get into the restaurant business? Is is it somebody not doing delivery in your area? Is there a particular type of food that's not well represented? Is Uh, you know, what, what's not, what's not great. Is the in, in service for, uh, you know, dining in not great or, you know, find a niche, find something and identify that before you spend your first dollar and nine times out of 10, you're going to be more successful. And, you know, it's so many of those things that people just don't think through. And that extends Mm -hmm. over definitely to the marketing thing, uh, the marketing side of it, you know, really not coming up with a comprehensive plan. I think if I could give one, one, one piece of advice to, Uh, any entrepreneur out there saying, hey, what can I do better marketing-wise? I would tell you, make up a plan and and work it. You know, plan out your month. You know, how many times are you going to be able to post to social media? Can you come up with your stuff ahead of time and schedule it out? That's fine too. You know, make sure you allow some time to answer and, and engage with those customers on those posts too. But the key is, is to set some time aside and plan for it and then actually execute that plan. But then the next step of it is to go back and look at the data. Okay, what kind of posts did my customers that I want resonate with? What kind did they not? Is it a mix? Do they need a little bit of both? Like a lot of times, people will either go too far off one side or too far off the other. Like, for example, uh, a lot of the social media accounts for the business side, I I, I try to do it really balanced. So I'll throw some memes out there and some funny stuff to get people engaged. I'll throw some questions out there to try to get Really, just to get engagement, to get people let's let's real opinion real opinionated questions. You know, like I'll post something like, "Hey, you know, Glock is better than any 1911 ever made," and then I just sit back and grab some popcorn and watch that post just take off because then the Glock <laughs> fans argue and the 1911 fans argue, and then just kind of goes back and forth. So any of those sorts of things, but then also then coming in, you know, one 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 out of every five, one out of every six posts, and. Post a little something about one of our services or a new class mm-hmm. or you know some new gun that came out or something, and really try to mix it up in the way that they're not they're not getting the same thing, but at the same time they know what to expect. They know, hey, there's going to be some funny stuff, there's going to be some some stuff we can argue about, and then there's going to be some uh, some posts that are ed- educational in content or new products or hey sales ad. We throw that up uh, up once a week, and that gets you know a lot of great reach. But uh, they know what to expect. Uh, because we made a plan and we worked it and, you know, we just weren't fine by the seat of our pants.
1: No, I love it. I mean, it, it's, it's so true. And, and, you know, we work with some of the greats that do that, you know, like Drewby Wilson and, and his memes, like, if you're not, if you're not following Drew, we go follow him because you'll get a nice cadence there. It's like business. Like you just, like you just said, like every six posts or so it's a little business. Uh, But then the second one is the family. The third one is a a crazy meme. And the fourth one is about his fitness journey, you know? So you get documentation, you get entertainment, you know what I mean? You get a little bit of business advice, you know? And so um, it always rotates so well. And it's by design, right? I know this dude spends like three or four hours on a Sunday planning out his whole week. You know what I mean? And whenever you're doing things, like you said, by design, um, they're going to be a lot more effective when it comes to that. So what is your forecast? You know, we're going to pivot here a little bit because this is just my curiosity now. What's your kind of forecast for the state of gun ownership in the U.S.? You know, I get the NRA mailers and stuff like that. Like, we, you know, gun ownership has been being attacked for the past 10 years, according to the NRA, and, you know, the sky is falling. And if I don't join or if I don't re-up or whatever the case is, we're not going to beat them. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, so I don't think it's quite that bad, but can you fill us in on that a little bit?
0: Yeah. You know, as dramatic as that sounds, sounds, uh, you know, mm-hmm. realistically the last, the last 10 years ago, they were kind of eroding away on our rights. You know, I, mm-hmm. I don't believe in the doom and gloom thing. I believe it's all cyclic. You know, it's like anything else, like politics. or like even like a lot of stuff in business, what we're seeing, what we're seeing now is, so the the this if you have you did you hear about the Supreme Court decision to do with concealed carry in New York? Or the other term you might hear, it's it's called the Bruin case or the Bruin decision. Well, that was that went all the way to the Supreme Court. And basically in a nutshell, New York had this law against concealed carry that said, here we have concealed carry because they say they'd have to, but it but we are a May, May issue state, meaning that if you qualify. You can plead your case for it, and if we think you deserve it, we may issue it. Well, long long story short, that ended up into New York only issuing somewhere around six or 700 concealed carry permits out of millions of applications. So it sounds kind of wrong, right? So it ended up going yeah. all the way to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court overturned that and said, "No, that you can't do that. You have to, if people should have the right, and the right to bear arms extends out of their home into their public to defend themselves," which mm-hmm. was key. But then it went on to explain some more key things, and one of one of which was about how how they could they could determine whether or not um, something uh, could be banned. Like for example, we'll take. Take what they call the modern semi-automatic rifle, or I would call it a modern sporting rifle, but they call it assault rifles because it sounds scarier, you know? So take assault rifle, for example, they said, well, if you're going to ban something, it has to meet two tests, not just one. It has to meet both of these or it's unconstitutional to ban it. Well, one is, is that it has to be exceptionally dangerous. It has to be like cutting edge, more dangerous, super dangerous than anything else out there. Mm. Yeah, some, some, some modern sporting rifles, you know, they're, they're, they're made to kill things. They're made to hunt with and do all kinds of other things or, and defend ourselves against tyranny. Well, okay, one, one could we could possibly lose that argument. Well, the second one is they have to be uncommon. So uh, there's millions and millions and millions and millions of semi-automatic modern sporting rifles out there in the United States. So they are far from uncommon. So therefore, that particular ban, you know, fails the test. Same thing mm-hmm. could be said about, you know, regular capacity magazines that hold 20 or 30 rounds and lots of other things. Well, because of the, because most of the, most of the laws on the books like California's bands and a lot of those other bands were all before Bruin mm-hmm. that wasn't factored in. So I think what we're going to see over the next couple of years is a lot of these bands that have been around for a little while being challenged and being overturned, um, Illinois really started out the started out kind of the whole thing of it with they enacted the worst um, semi-automatic rifle ban in the the country way worse Mm -hmm. than um, California's it was it was probably all about uh, two or three models Mm -hmm. or all that I could find of of semi-automatic rifles that were that were legal because of how they they wrote the law and the Mm -hmm. problem the problem with that is that there's so many millions of those guns out there and a lot of the a lot of the guns are like specifically only used for sporting purposes so uh they really extended uh but really it's just to me my opinion on that that's Jamie Pritzker trying to make a name for himself before he tries to make a presidential run but we'll see Mm -hmm. what happens with that you know hey he'll bring the he'll bring the great uh the great communist agenda from that he did for Illinois he'll do it for the country that'll be what he runs on but but anyway, I think, I think we're going to see some tough times for the next year or two when mm-hmm. it comes to gun rights and, and stuff being eroded. But once these cases start to progress and some of them get to the Supreme Court, there's going to be a lot of stuff overturned. And then it's going to completely, depend pendulum is going to flow back, flow back the other direction. The other thing we're obviously seeing, too, is if you've heard about the ATF trying to ban pistol braces and trying to ban some triggers and whatnot just by their interpretation of the law. I think we're going to see the Supreme court shut the ATF down uh, on a very severe note too, based on some comments, some of the justices have made. So I think uh, the next year or so is going to be tough for the gun industry in general and Mm -hmm. people. But I I think after that, it's going to open up. And I think uh, the momentum it's going to gain by people realizing that, Hey, they're trying to take these things away from us. Uh, They actually are, you know, See, you've had problem is you've had the NRA and some other, some other groups, crying wolf for a really long time yeah. when things weren't weren't as bad as they are now. So right. people are getting kind of immune to it, you know, uh, but now I think people are starting to wake up and realize that, Hey, you know what? Post COVID they're realizing, Hey, especially like here in Chicago, you know, crimes at an all time high it's mayhem on the streets. A lot of times there's mm-hmm. carjackings in the middle of the day, not even if you don't go into the bad neighborhoods, uh, you know, people are getting uh, robbed at gunpoint, getting gas. It's, it's become kind of a, the only thing we don't have here yet is a purge siren. That's the only thing that's missing. So uh, it's getting rough, and people of all, of all types are, are realizing, hey, I need to be able to defend myself. I am responsible for my family. And, uh, you know, the police are great, but they're, they're not, they're not going to be here for 5, 7, 10, 12 minutes, sometimes longer. Mm-hmm. A lot can happen in five minutes, you know, uh, especially when there's firearms involved. When the bad guy's got a gun, if you don't have one, you don't have any, any hope. But then just to give him your stuff and hope uh, hope he doesn't shoot you. Because the problem we're seeing now, too, is it used to be just robbery, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and, and they would just take your stuff and, you know, you, they'd go. Now it's, uh, they're getting cocky and shooting at people as they walk away or as they take your car and shoot at you or whatever. So it's kind of right. like remember, remember before 9-11 when you'd hear about hijackings and it was really no big deal. You know, you hear, okay, well, hey, they took over a plane, it landed, all right, well, they'll sit on the tarmac for a couple hours, and they'll either negotiate or send in Delta Force and and go take the plane back over, and everybody will be fine. And so as a passenger, you're never really much worried about it. I mean, you worried about it, but not like now. Now, though, if you see any any sense of any hijacking going on, what's every passenger or or, or any able-bodied man going to do on that plane is – you know, we're we're if you're going to take us all down with you, you know, you know we're not going to just let you take this plane yeah. anymore. So, so I just see that whole mentality changing when it comes to just protecting one's family. You know, both protecting and then also for medical care too. We see a lot of people. We do a lot of classes on. Stop the bleed and those sorts of things to teach people Mm -hmm. just a little bit of trauma, medical care in case something would happen to a family member enough to get them to the hospital yourself if you have to sort of a thing. So I'm seeing personal responsibility taken from people, which has been a great thing. But there's been a whole lot of changes since COVID, you know, um, just real interesting times.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And now I appreciate the detailed explanation of that, too. I mean, it's it's good to hear that there is an end in sight, though even though it's going to get a little rough for the next couple of years. But like you said, that pendulum, that pendulum is swinging the other way, which is, you know, massive. I think there's a lot of correlation between uh, entrepreneurship and gun rights. It's just one of those things. It's like, if I have a choice between my livelihood or my safety uh, being a subject to myself or subject to the government, I think I'm going to take myself every single time. You know what I'm saying? But Like you said, we have to do that responsibly and educate ourselves. And so I think you couldn't be more right in the fact that like I, you know, we all do it in our own way. You know, for me, it's raising chickens in my backyard and that's just the beginning, right? We want to have a full on hobby farm someday that we can self-sustain, you know, with solar and um, backup generators and everything else. And so we all have our own versions of that, you know, but uh, gun ownership is definitely part of that, that formula. So I'm glad to hear that, you know, that it will swing the other way eventually. And some of those, and, and then that's where it really matters, right. Is the Supreme court and that's where it's happening yeah. right now. So.
0: Yeah, that's for sure. You know, the one, the one thing, uh, the one thing people have to realize though, like whether you're talking gun ownership or, you know, freedom of speech or anything, we're really just a generation away from, you know, from things going away. If we don't yeah. exercise these rights, if we don't exercise the rights we have of all types and, 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 they're gonna go away. They're gonna be taken from us, or forgotten, or a combination of both. So mm-hmm. that's why I always tell folks it's so important. You know, even if you don't, even if you don't need something, you know, whether it's guns or anything else, even if you don't need it, it's your right. Exercise it once in a while. Make mm-hmm. sure that the next generation knows that this is this is a right. So things can't be twisted. I mean, you get like guns, for example. You, you know, you'll get people saying, "Well, why do you need these guns to hunt?" Do you really think the constitution was written about hunting do you seriously think about it let's take a step yeah. back in time what these guys were dealing with when they wrote this constitution no they were trying to write things in there that to protect us from tyranny you know mm-hmm. plain, plain and simple it's not it's not a discussion people want to have you know or even like the, the joe biden's famous quote of you know if you guys think that you're going to stand up against the government uh, you're going to need f-15s and nukes if you're going to stand up against us you know you know like you're not going to be able to do it with any kind of you know handgun or rifle well like yeah. that was that was a one heck of a wake-up call just with that statement uh just that you know someone in the government would even think that way but uh you know we have to exercise those rights or we're going to lose them
1: 100 percent, man that boils my blood <laughs> i didn't i hadn't heard that yet that's crazy
0: Oh yeah, yeah. Google that one; it's great. He's they got him on video. He's like, yeah, he like, you know, like, can't can't believe that, you know, because somebody mm-hmm. basically said to the statement to him, but hey, you know what? It's these these guns are for tyranny. These guns are for yeah. keeping the government honest. These guns are for you know whatever. Oh, you think that? Do you think they're gonna do that? No, you need you need nukes and nukes and jet aircraft. You know.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, and how massive was that? And how much did he tell you that uh, our founding fathers were like, hey, we could be the tyranny someday, so let's protect. Yeah you know, our future citizens from us, you know, if we get too in our heads and, and too about ourselves, you know what I'm saying? And that's the, that's the thing when you're, when you're starting something from something that's broken, you know, you do have to take that step back and say, hey, how could I fuck this up too? you know what I'm saying? And, and, and put in, put in things to prevent that in the future. So no, I definitely appreciate that. Okay. So last question or last couple of questions and uh, I ask this to all my podcast guests and it is uh, what does legacy mean to you and what legacy do you want to leave behind?
0: So for me, that's a great question. You know, for me, I, I, it's funny, the older I get, the more I think about that. You know, you could ask me 20 years ago and I would have told you, no, I really didn't think about it. It really didn't come mm-hmm. to mind. I, it wasn't even, it was just living, living day to day. But now, uh, now for me, legacy means is just, just, you know, what, what will be said of me when I'm gone? What, what will I leave behind? What did I change for the better? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, both both within my family and outside my family. Um, you know, of course, part of it is, is man, if I, if I knew the things I knew now at 49 when I was in my 20s, you know, I want to try to download as much of this information as I can with my, with my, to my kids, nephews, mm-hmm. nieces, you know, everybody I can. But for me, legacy is just leaving something behind that's going to outlast me. You know, and, and the interesting thing is, as entrepreneurs, uh, we have a very unique opportunity. Uh, we mm-hmm. have an opportunity to build something and leave something that will be uh, around still, or could could potentially be making a difference in the world long after we're we're dust again. You know, so I I think it's a huge responsibility. Like say, especially the, the, those of us in entrepreneurs, to try to make the best to make the best of that opportunity. Um, make the best of of that legacy for me personally you know everybody is different but for me um, it's not necessarily accumulating things or stacking cash it's trying to make a trying to make a positive difference um, in my community um, you know in in the people around me but then you know and also also my family you know just to leave something better than I found it you know
1: absolutely brother and I know I know you're doing that through your business and through your podcast and, and through being a guest on this podcast, you know, whether it's uh, talking about the things that uh, business owners need to get right in their marketing or, you know, gun ownership in general, we appreciate you coming on.
0: Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. I enjoyed it a lot. It was going to be, I knew it was going to be a lot of fun.
1: Absolutely. I appreciate you, Steve. Let's get building.
0: Thank you for joining us on this episode of the building great sales teams podcast. We really do appreciate it. As you know, we believe that great leaders build great teams. How do you become a great leader? You learn from the greats. Join us at the million dollar mastermind put on by Ryan Steumann in Frisco, Texas, and learn everything that you need to learn to be that great leader. The link will be in the description below. As always, we ask that you like, share, and subscribe wherever you consume podcasts so you can stay up to date with the Building Great Sales Teams podcast. Let's get building.